Hello, Bakersfield. I'm Audrey Gonzalez. I'm Rachel Magnus. I'm Jesus Gonzalez. I'm Carla Barrientos. I'm Justin Salters. And you're listening to Hello, Bakersfield, the podcast that's sitting in the park waiting for you. <laughs> yes, we're you sitting us right to the here Art show. <laughs> waiting for you, my dear, wondering if you ever want to show up. That was really beautiful, Jerry. I don't know you can <laughs> But wait, there's more. Encore, encore. <laughs> but nevertheless, I stay in. You gotta be waiting. What song is that? Yeah. What song is that, Jesus? Really? <laughs> Sitting in the Park by Billy Stewart's. Come on. Mm. Mm. It kind of sounds like Singing in the Rain. I thought I thought it was going to be sitting on the dock of a bay. That's where I thought we were going too, Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> Did none of you listen to Art LeBeau show growing up? Come no. on, yeah. come on. Carla always has my back here. Well, you know, Carla, Art, Carla's obviously more musically inclined than the rest of us. Thanks for calling yeah. us out. <laughs> well, hey guys, it's great to be back together via Zoom. We're happy to have another episode of Hello Bakersfield, and we have a very special guest this podcast with Miriam Pop. Miriam, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I enjoyed yeah. your singing. Thank you for that. Well, thank you. By by no means are our guests responsible for flattering me, uh, <laughs> but it is encouraged. So thank Noted. you. Noted. Noted. <laughs> Um, but, it must uh, be reported as an in-kind political contribution, though. You know? <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to take every snippet and use it in political ads. <laughs> <laughs> Let me rethink a few things. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, getting comfortable. I like it. All right, Miriam. Hey, we're going to get into an interview with you in just a few moments. Uh, but before we do so, we're going to check in with our hosts with a little thing we call highs and lows. And uh, why don't we start with Justin today? Highs and lows. Um, okay. Um, let's see. I, um, okay. My low is food for the week. So I, which is normally, you know, we always talk about good food. Um, I, I'm bacheloring. I'm batching it right now. My wife and daughter are up in the mountains and with, her family, her cousins and aunts and their kids and having a great time. And I just realized this morning I woke up starving and I don't eat as much. For, like, I don't think about eating as much except for I'm like, oh, I don't want to spend a ton of money eating out, which is very odd. So I just like, I realized, so food has been a low this week. It's like just not been, not been the so greatest. you just not cook for, for yourself or, or just kind of snack and... Mm. Yeah, and like, well, I've been like, I was like, oh, we had a cauliflower pizza in the freezer that I made. It was really good. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, truthfully, so my family owns Salty's Barbecue and we live about five minutes away from one of them. So most of the time, if I am like, if I'm hungry and I'm by myself, I just go to the restaurant to pick up food. Um, and I haven't done that yet this week. It's, it's on the list for today though. So anyway, so, uh, that's, that's my low. Justin, uh, I never asked, what's your favorite meal or item from Salty's? 
Um, my favorite item is the chicken. Like I love the chicken there. It's we marinated with citrus in like citrus juices and seasoning, and it's like marinates for hours, if not overnight, and then it's cooked over the wood grill. So it's like delicious. And if you're there, like if you're lucky enough to get there, like right when they're pulling it off the grill, like it's perfect. Like it just it's so good. So anyway, wow. thank you. Now I'm like, oh man, I wonder if they'll have any ready at like nine o'clock when we finish this. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my high, um, I am actually going to say, uh, I uh, we watched. So I've got two shows or programs that we watched on Netflix re- and Amazon recently. Um, we, my wife and I, watched Just Mercy last weekend, um, which is available for free on Amazon, um, and it was just like. Uh, very well one it's just a really good movie great acting great powerful story but especially set in the backdrop of everything taking place in the nation and you realize that that was happening just in the 1990s so um, really sad but eye-opening so yeah that's uh, I that like I really enjoyed that kind of like really stuck out it's been kind of a boring week for me honestly guys I'm sorry it's nothing more exciting than a you know, than a Netflix uh, Amazon show. So anyway, um, how about uh, you, Carla? What are your highs and lows? Well, my high is also kind of on, well, on the show watching realm. So I started a movie club with a bunch of my girlfriends um, recently, and it's been a nice way for us to connect. And um, we, we meet via Zoom um, and, you know, it's just, it's nice to, to be able to watch a movie, talk about it, then talk about all the other random things that come up when you get, you know, 12 women together on a, on a movie screen or on a, on a computer screen. Um, but it's been a lot of fun. We've watched uh, Knives Out and um, we watched some Coen Brothers movies. Uh, we kind of don't take it too seriously. Some are ridiculous. Some are really serious. Um, but the dialogue is always so nice. So that's been my high finding new ways to connect when we all can't be together um, has been really cool and helpful for just, just everything, seeing friends, mental wellness. Um, my low is that I also started a book club. But <laughs> that's a little bit more work than um, just sitting and watching a movie. So I started the book club and we're on the second month and I haven't participated in two months. (laughs) So it's kind of a problem. So I have set this book club up. I set the meeting up and then I leave because what am I going to do there? I have two other books I'm trying to read. And so I don't want to, you know, jump in, but I'm glad everyone else is enjoying the book club. And eventually I promise I will get in, but that's my low. I really need to finish my two books so I can get in the club that I started. So do you still go, do you, does the book club meet via Zoom as well? Yes. And they're also meeting by Zoom. The meetings? What was that? You still attend the meetings? Just like, no, so no, no. <laughs> You're like, no, I no, you, we, earned this. So. <laughs> we, yeah, we do an initial like, hi, how are you? And if you didn't watch or you didn't read, you gotta go. So I leave. <laughs> Carla, what book is, what books has, is the club reading? You know what? They just picked a new one this past Sunday. Um, and I didn't even 
find out what it is. So I'm not sure what they are reading. My sister-in-law, Vanessa, is my is the co-founder. And so she was supposed to text me after. So I have to text her and say, hey, what book are you reading? Just so I know. I'm not going to read it. There's no plan to read it. I just need to know. <laughs> you, you should try uh, Audible. Have you yeah. tried? That would cut into my podcast time. So... You know, but I, you know what? I, maybe I'll try that. That might be my way in. I'm going to try that next month, Justin. Yeah. I'll, I'll let you I know. love Audible. I yeah. use it all the time. Emily is an audiobook book person uh, versus a sitting down and, and reading the page, flipping the pages person. So yeah. And it's, it's good. Yeah. When I clean the I'll house, I it. put it in my ears and I, you can listen for like five hours. It's so fun. It's like somebody's telling you a story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Okay, I'm in. <laughs> uh, hey, Seuss. Hey, highs and your lows. Highs and lows. Um, well, I've been doing a lot of educating myself this last, you know, week. Um, I have a, re- a movie recommendation for our listeners. Um, I saw this really cool documentary called um, The Thirteenth, and it talks about, um, you know, the modern day prison system and how it does proportionately affects the black community and so just uh talks about the 13th amendment and goes through the history of that in our country so i thought that was just uh really fascinating and eye-opening so i would definitely recommend that to our listeners out there um also my low for the week has been um i have a few friends who live you know just outside of bakersfield and i guess we were in the national news regarding a protester who was hit by a man and ended up dying. We were on like BET news for it. Um, his name was Robert Forbes. Um, and so that was kind of really surreal to see that we are in the national spotlight for something that everyone is, you know, protesting about. Um, but that's kind of, you know, what I've been dealing with and just continuing the fight, trying to educate my friends and, um, become involved. I was in a really cool, uh, well, I, I wouldn't actually describe it as cool. I was in a community discussion with the Kern uh, Sheriff uh, Department and uh, Sheriff Youngblood was there. And it was really uh, neat to see a panel kind of hold him accountable for some of the things that he said in the past and uh, some of the practices and policies that his department has. Um, although it was really engaging, I think, on the panel's behalf, to me, it didn't really seem like he was open to anything that folks had to say. It was really kind of defensive. So that was really interesting to see. And to for me as a resident here, to it was eye-opening. And I think it's kind of clarified for me who I will be supporting the next time um, around, which will not be Sheriff Youngblood. Hey, Seuss, hey, I'm glad you... Um you talked about that um, because, you know, those community talks that have been happening, I think are so important for everyone who lives here. Um, it's, I, I'm so glad you tuned in. I also tuned in. Um, we talked about it before and it, it's nice to see these because I think people, you get to hear someone talk. Things are not rehearsed. Questions are in real time. And so people really show you who they are. And I think that's powerful and you can decide, like you said, who you're going to support or not. Um, But you're getting to see, this is who they are. These are the questions. These are your, your um, stakeholders in your community who are saying, this is what we want. And this is how they responding or not. 
So yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. I encourage our listeners to look out for those community talks because they are so important and mm-hmm. can really help you make decisions um, and, and who you want to support because that yeah. it really matters. I agree. And I think, you know, it's interesting too, is sometimes when you're at the ballot box and you're, um, you know, going through the list of names, sometimes you tend to vote for the name that's, you know, out there and they may not necessarily represent the best candidate for the community. So I completely, you know, agree with that. That's really eye-opening to be a part of uh, and see those conversations. Um, what about you, Rachel? Well, you know, my week has been solely focused um, on my work life. Um, I feel like I'm back in the full set. I've been at the museum every day, and um, and which is a high. I've really enjoyed my time spent there. And but we um, released our. If some listeners and I know all of our um, hosts have been to Art Mix, our annual spring fundraiser. And I am so proud of our staff and the community for how we've come together and made this event completely online. Um, and so yesterday, it we announced that Art Mix went online. We have an online art sale that is lasting for one month, June 11th to July 11th. And um, during the month, we have we have partnered with local restaurants who will be offering specials and. Um, a portion of the proceeds of anybody who mentions the museum will go back to the museum. Um, so it's been, it was a lot of work to do something completely on a digital platform, but um, it's the quality of art that's represented is, is definitely there. And um, it's exciting. We went live and like 50 pieces were purchased right when we opened yesterday. So it was really wow. good to see um, community support Um and I think people are kind of looking for something, a change in their quarantine um, life. And so we're, we're happy to provide that. Rachel, I have a question for you. Um, so in the art mix, when you're there in person, you know, getting some of that art is really, uh, really kind of lucrative. People tend to go to one piece, you know, and you have people fighting over the same piece. How is that? How does that translate online? Well, so everything, it's not an auction at all. It's a, it is a sale. So, and everything, there's, a, you know, about 150 pieces that are on the website and it's first come, first serve. You know, you, if you're on there first, you get the pick of the litter, as they say. And um, so it's, you still have that sense of urgency. The sooner you get on, the more like, the more options you have. Um, but the, I was just on this morning before we started recording and there's, there's still some of my favorites left. I did purchase a piece yesterday. I'm, um, excited to bring home, but, um, it's mostly local artists. There are some curated, um, selections from artists who have previously shown at the museum, uh, and then some future, uh, um, exhibiting artists that are represented as well. So it's a very diverse range of artists. Well, that seems very thrilling. Thrilling. <laughs> Yeah. You have some beautiful pieces up. There are, yeah. It was. It wasn't as thrilling for our um, website design team, who was up <laughs> till like midnight and five a.m. and then up five a.m. in the morning. It released, but you know, I think we're all thrilled now. So, <laughs> um, but my low, you know, I, I've been so work centric. I don't even think I've had time to think of that. And we've had like the best weather for June, have we not? Like, yes. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm flying high right now. Andre, how about you? Um, I would say my low is just this time of year, actually. 
um, you know, May and June tend to be the busiest months um, for me. Um, you know, in the city council, it's when we're when we have all of our budget presentations for departments and we're trying to adopt a budget. So, you know, we're on a fiscal year that begins on July 1. So we have to adopt an annual budget by the end of, by the end of uh, June. And so we've been meeting um, regularly um, for the last um, last few weeks. And so not only do we have our normal city council meetings, but we have special meetings that run you know, long throughout the day. And then, um, you know, just the, the, the issues related to COVID-19 and then also um, obviously the, um, the protests and, um, you know, the issues lifted up by the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, so all of these things are kind of compounding one another, the economic crisis. Um, so it's been a really challenging few weeks. I've, I mean, this week has been back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back meetings Zoom calls. So uh, I'm looking forward to Sunday where I'll have a day off just to kind of relax. Um, but uh, my my high is that I started um, I started a nonprofit, Children First, about 10 years ago now. Um, and for the last six years, we've had this summer internship program where we where we select college students and high school students to join the organization and work with me directly to provide enrichment opportunities for children in, in East Bakersfield, primarily around Williams Elementary School. And we take these kids to on field trips to the California Science Museum, to the Getty, to, to the Hollywood Bowl, and, you know, really try to provide them opportunities that they otherwise wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't get. Um, so last night was our first meeting and we had about 12 interns on a Zoom call, and two of them revealed to me that the reason why they were part of the internship program uh, was because when they were children, they participated in the Children First programming. And so that just melted my heart. I, I felt so um, excited and proud that here, here they were young people in high school now, and they were you know, paying it forward to try to help other kids, you know, provide the same opportunities that they got. So uh, I was, uh, I was really moved. That was a high. It made it all worth it. Wow. I have a question, Andre. Um, and I don't know if you can answer this or not, but from the city council perspective, you know, we've been hearing a lot of talk about divesting funds from, police departments and using them for more social services in different communities. Is that something that the city council is kind of taking a deeper look at? You know, it is uh, in a broader context though. I mean, we've, we've always had this debate about what we put or where we put our resources. And now with measure N, the additional one cent sales tax, we're able to really invest in lots of areas. So the conversation this year is, you know, I'm debating with, you know, some of city staff and, and others that we need more money in our neighborhood parks and primarily our urban parks that have gone for too long, um, uh, really unmaintained. And so we're trying to, I'm trying to get more dollars in that. Mm -hmm. um, the truth is the city does not provide a lot of social services. So when, when we hear about um, defund the police, you know, people are saying, well, put more money into mental health or education. Well, mental health is a function of the county of Kern. They, that's where behavioral health services is housed. 
education is not a function of the city. Whereas in many other parts of the country, mm-hmm. a city really includes lots of different um, functions, including the education system, including mental health and all these other social services. In this community, you have a lot of different government entities that, that contribute. So we have our own school districts, we have our county that provides social services, and then you have the city that really provides basic services, right? You know, sewers, water, roads, parks, police, fire, um, permitting. I mean, those are pretty much it. And and just last year, we kind of expanded our service suite, if you will, by providing direct homeless services. And that was a huge fight, if you remember. You know, mm-hmm. I talked about on the podcast. Internally within City Hall, it was a fight. And then externally, it was a fight because the city had never before provided direct services in the social service setting. So, we're expanding that. And so, so yes, there's a broader conversation, but no, there's not, there's not a consideration right now to quote unquote defund the police. Um, it, it's kind of, to be honest with you, it's just a function of the timing. It's kind of late because we, we just had our budget hearing and the, the budget's all but adopted. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's really uh, eye opening for our, um, for our listeners there, kind of a little civics lesson well, Andre, I have a question. Why is is there a reason or model that uh, Kern County has taken why we are distributed the way we are compared to other cities? Um, you know, in California, it's pretty typical that counties provide the social services uh, for their respective communities. Um, there are very few cities, for example, that actually have a public health department. So I think there's only like two or three cities in the state. San Francisco is one, Long Beach is another. Um, you know, this came up during COVID-19 when a lot of people were asking me and others and the mayor calling for the mayor to, um, to uh, issue a stay-at-home order. And, and so my question was, well, what, what, what jurisdiction do we have and what justification do we base that stay-at-home uh, order on without a public health recommendation, without, without a department? So we really are taking our lead from the county and we, and that's where the city and the county where it really is important that we are coordinating and working together. So it's pretty typical for, for people in California uh, to have those different functions. But uh, like, if you look at the East coast, for example, and you have these strong mayors, you know, like in Boston and Chicago and, New York, there are a lot of functions of society that fall under the city. So I think a lot of people, when they think of the mayor, for example, or councilman, they think that we have all control of everything. Yeah. I can only wish. Yeah. <laughs> it's really interesting. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, let's jump into it. Jesus, you want to introduce our fine guest? I'd love to. Thank you so much, Andre. So I have the pleasure today of introducing Miriam Isani Pop, who's a certified wellness coach, youth mentor, speaker, and founder of Vibrant Lifestyle Coaching. Miriam guides overworked, overstressed women on a mission back to trusting themselves fully so they can make empowered decisions confidently that lead to the big, bold, vibrant lives of their dreams. She does this by teaching her mind, body, soul approach to stress management via public speaking, one-on-one coaching, 
group programs, and self-paced digital courses. In 2019, she was honored by her alma mater for her ongoing efforts in the wellness community, globally as well as in her local community as a volunteer youth mentor for underserved girls of color. She believes when women have a safe space to reconnect with their truth, they thrive, and as a result, anything is possible in their world. Thank you so much for being here, Miriam. Welcome to the show. Um, you have a really interesting story. So you are not a Bakersfield native. You were raised in Boston. Can you share with our audience a little bit about your journey on how you got to Bakersfield? Yeah, yeah, I can definitely do that. Um, so I was born in Boston, lived in Jersey, but primarily have lived in the Boston area majority of my life up until about four and a half years ago. Um, my own journey to stress management is kind of what brought me to Bakersfield, if you would. <laughs> I was, uh, before building my business, I was working as a hairstylist uh, full-time, had my own side gig uh, doing hair on the side, was also in school for holistic health and wellness online, and it was more than I could handle, you know, on top of just being a fabulous independent woman. It was just a lot. Um, and so it got to the point where my mother actually lives here in Bakersfield, and she was like, Miriam, why not just come out here, um, get the support you deserve, get a break because you can't, can't keep doing all the things. And I was like, well, I can. I can't keep doing all the things. Um, but my health was continuously impacted um, due to the levels of stress I was dealing with. So that's what um, essentially brought me to Bakersfield. I figured, you know, let me finish up my last year of school online, slow down the pace of things, really start to take care of myself. Um, and then all of a sudden it was just like, well, I was going to wait to start my business. And I was like, wait a minute, why, why wait? Um, especially where I wanted an online-based business uh, that would allow me to impact more people everywhere, but also start focusing on my passions, which uh, traveling is a big one of, one of my passions. So um, that is what brought me to Bakersfield and has kind of made Bakersfield my West Coast home base, if you would. I travel around and then always when it's time to settle into California life, um, come back to Bakersfield. That's really cool. And you do a lot of work with an organization called YRAP. Yeah, um, Young Women Reaching Accomplishable Places. And tell us a little bit why you decided to get involved with them and the purpose of that, because I think they have a really great mission, um, especially when you look at, um, you know, a report that you had shared with us uh, from Diversity Data Kids Organization, which is funded by the WK Kellogg Foundation. And um, in that report, they say that Bakersfield received the lowest opportunity score in the country for children. 51% of children living in Bakersfield live in a low opportunity neighborhood. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about what that means and what YRAP does to, um, you know, to kind of help bring those opportunities? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, a big part of my mission is being what I've needed when I was younger, uh, regardless of what age that was. Uh, so I have always wanted to mentor and work with children. That's always been a big part of my business model. I'll support and empower the grownups, give them the tools they deserve, um, while also supporting um, the children, allowing them to have those tools as they go into life. Uh, so when it became apparent to me that, okay, you know what? Uh, Bakersfield is a spot that I really want to 
um, start nurturing, you know, start having an impact on the community and the children. Um, I found, found, well, I feel like YRAP found me. We found each other. The timing was right. <laughs> we found each other. Um, and so YRAP serves uh, underserved girls in the community. We have a program that actually the last two school years, um, this year and winter 2019, we were out at Edison Middle School meeting with the girls weekly, just um, serving up life tips and holding space for them to share what they're dealing with in school and being a safe space for them to um, communicate their needs and issues and to have positive role models who were listening and speaking with them, not at them. And that was a big thing that I've learned um, in my time mentoring is that, you know, a lot of these children are spoken to, but not spoken with. Right. It's not a back and forth dialogue where um, they necessarily feel like they're heard. Um, so that's one of the programs YRAP has. YRAP also meets monthly um, with another set of girls in the community. Um, and so with, with COVID, it's been really sad. I've really missed the girls. <laughs> so what we've done is we've done different Zoom sessions like this where we've been able to sit, check in, hang out, see how they're doing. Um, and once again, just provide, provide that safe space, that opportunity to have somewhere to talk. Um, and th and this, is a really, this is a really important uh, program. Uh, you know, you shared with me some of the really difficult life challenges that some of these um, girls go through and it's not anything that you would, you know, maybe normally think of. Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting because, um, growing up, uh, I grew up in Boston. I grew up in the city and I always thought like I was a tough city kid, you know, I know things I'm street smart. And then, uh, coming out here, hearing some of these issues, these girls are dealing with. Um, I was just, I was blown away at the ages that they're at and the awareness they have around certain things. Um, you know, I was really blown away by some of the girls openly speaking about sex trafficking and even their own experiences, whether that was personal or just outward knowing people. Um, that was really, really tough for me. I feel like it was my um, second session first or second session um, at Edison, at Edison Middle School, driving home and just like one lonely tear falling from my eye. And I was like, oh, I think they got me. <laughs> I think these stories got me. And just, um, yeah, these children are going through a lot. Um, they don't have enough support, whether it is a safe space at home to um, receive encouragement or that safe space. I keep coming back to safe spaces. That's a big thing for me as far as whether it's my adult clients or working with children, it's creating these safe spaces where people can um, open up, open up. Um, holding on to all of this trauma and emotions causes a lot of long-term physical effects on our bodies, but also our mental and our spiritual bodies as well. So um, I'm grateful to have the opportunity to work with YRAP, which was actually started by a local woman. So, you know, although I'm a Bostonian living in Bakersfield, YRAP was started by a local Bakersfield native, Maisha Davis. Um, and I'm just super grateful to be, to be a part of um, this program and then other programs subsequently. Miriam, um, I, I think that's so powerful and I'm, I'm so excited to hear that you're doing this. Um, you know, thinking about our community and hearing that how much, um, you know, the low opportunity areas we have and kids that 
are not, you know, getting what we would think would just be normal things that a child needs. Um, You know, I'm thinking just flashing back, you know, a a billion years ago when I was little Carla, um, you know, I didn't see a lot of um, black women, really none. I mean, I never even had a, a, a black woman in the school setting um, until sixth grade, until I had a sixth grade substitute. So to see this, um, you know, as a, a child where, you know, the black woman I did see were my mom, my aunts, you know, yes. parents, friends and things like that, but not in the education setting, which is, I always think so powerful. If, if you don't see it, yes, you can't be it. So to have these girls have this, you know, intelligent, beautiful black woman say, these are the things I can help you with. This is how I can uplift you. Self-esteem. If these children have trauma, which you were saying so many, help them figure out how to manage it. Because as, if you don't do find a way at some point, this all goes to adulthood. Yeah. So yeah. I, I just think that's so powerful. Um, in Bakersfield, you, you work in Bakersfield and in Kern County with children, both in, in the county or just it just primarily in the Bakersfield area? I know you said Edison. Yeah. So, um, I don't want to say that I work in ed, but I support the organization YRAP and they have a program at Edison. So I don't okay. know. Right. So I don't know if there are opportunities to spread it out into other school systems in Bakersfield or, or what, but I know that there's the Edison program and I'm there every week when it is held. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, I, I have a, one more little, question for you. Um, you said you were, you were talking a little bit, I heard you touch a little bit on the health and wellness and doing all the things, um, which I think all of us get in that mode of, we can do it all, uh, you know, for women, whether you're a working mother, um, uh, a single lady, um, stay at home, whatever your life looks like. But a lot of us take on everything for everyone and end up wearing ourselves down and it does affect, you know, our, um, well-being. Can you talk a little bit about that, like, uh, stress management or kind of that balance in life? Yeah. So, um, you mentioned the word balance, so I'll start there. Um, we like to think that balance is this steady state. We reach balance. Life is good. We're amazing. Woohoo. No, (laughs) honey, no. (laughs) Balance is a dance. Okay. So we might focus on one area of our life, nurture this one area. And then as our attention is here, there's other things that are kind of falling apart. So now it's finding that peace within to be like, okay, it's all right that this is falling apart over here. Let me kind of come give this a little bit more love too. And having that, um, I think a big part of stress management I'm going to get ahead of myself. Let me slow down. I get excited if you can't tell. (laughs) A big part of stress management is staying true to ourselves and owning our truths. I feel like a lot of the stress we deal with in our lives sometimes is um, a part of not listening to ourselves, not listening to our truths, right? So we start to create our own stress by not staying honest and true. Um, And so if we can be in that place where it's like, okay, you know what? Um, I really need myself right now. I need to take some time to just, uh, uh, maybe it's veg out on my couch for a few hours, maybe read a book, maybe watch this Netflix show. I need this right now just to disconnect from the world. But you have that friend who's going through something and is calling you up like, girl, let's go out, right? (laughs) And you want to be there for that friend, but you know that you need yourself a little bit more, right? Um, And so it's being able to say, hey, friend, look, 
let me pour into myself. Let me take care of myself. And when I'm in a good place, I'll have more than enough to come and hang out with you and do all the things, support you in the way you need. And that's that balance, right? Being able to say, let me honor myself so I can honor you better. Um, and these are just, I'm really big on practical, simple ways to manage our stress, manage ourselves. It doesn't have to be, um, you know, the big glamorous retreat in Costa Rica once a year, right? It's daily stuff, daily listening to ourselves and honoring what it is that we need, um, which sometimes people are like, oh, but it's too simple. No, no, no. Are you going to do it? Are you going to do it, though? Yeah. <laughs> hey, Miriam, I have yeah. two things. One, how can I sign up for this retreat in Costa Rica? Because that, <laughs> that sounds great. Um, we'll do a Hello Bakersfield live remote from Costa Rica. And, uh, like a mini, a mini season just about well, mental wellness. But then I, I had a question for you. Um, uh, have you, do you use or have you, have you, do you guide your clients and the people you work with towards the Enneagram? Are you familiar with the Enneagram at all? I know. It's a tool that I've found for me um, is self-awareness and like, self, like self-knowledge in the first place of just learning who I am and knowing why my mind and my behaviors go in certain directions um, has been key for me uh, to getting some you know, semblance of that constant striving towards balance. But I was just wondering if there are any like tools out there like the Enneagram, if you've got something else, but just things out there that you recommend people look at to get started. Yeah, yeah. So um, I would say the foundation of my work is self-awareness. Uh, like I was mentioning, if we are aware of ourselves, then we're aware of how we show up in the world, how we need to show up in the world to stay true to ourselves. Um, I don't use a tool like the Enneagram, like you mentioned. Um, however, I'm really big on just taking this time to, one thing I'm really big on is journaling, just taking that time to really sit with your thoughts. Um, I'm, I'm a huge overthinker. It's my favorite pastime. Okay. <laughs> Let's just hang out and let all those thoughts stew. Um, but one thing I'm really big on is starting my day with journaling and just mind dumping. So taking my judgment out of the picture and just letting all those thoughts flow out and, and, them being able to see it. Um, another thing I always encourage my clients to do who do get into journaling is taking that time, you know, and randomly opening up a page in your journal and seeing where you were on that day and witnessing your own growth. I think that's very important to take those time to witness yourself. And are you still in that place? Are, are, have you moved on from those issues? Are you still thinking the way you were thinking? Um, and so that's uh, one of the key ways that I start to get my clients to become uh, aware of themselves and where, where they are even at um, in their own worlds. Awesome. I have a question. Miriam, thank you for all the work you do with um, YRAP and, all, and children. It's amazing. But I'm interested in how a relationship looks or what it looks like when somebody comes to you for life counseling and what is that process? Okay. And, and you said it's online. So are you doing Zoom type meetings or? Okay. So um, one thing that I think is um, very important to put out there when it comes to coaching, I believe it's a partnership. This is not me telling you how to live your life. This is not me um, telling you you need to do this, this, and this. No, this is you coming 
to me with um, what's going on in your world and we hashing it out together. It's a tag team, right? Um, I'm here for the support and the accountability. You're here to do the work and showing up for yourselves, right? So that's a big part of things. Um, as far as how the actual coaching dynamic looks, it's what the client is comfortable with. So I have some clients who um, don't want to hear me, hear my voice at them. So it might be more um, email coaching. Um, I also use the app Voxer. So it's a little bit more texting accountability. They have their weekly check-in. We get together. We do that. Um, I do have some clients who want to um, want a little bit more hands-on Miriam in their face. And so that's where we'll do like the Zoom call, the Zoom session. Um, but it's all on where the client is at, what they're comfortable with, um, and how they're going to show up for themselves. Because um, I can throw down all the tools, all the insight, give the little nudges to push them out of their comfort zone. Um, but they have to be the ones to show up for themselves and that do that work. That's the only way the partnership works. Mm -hmm. And how long have you um, been doing life coaching? Yeah, so I have been... Um, in this lane specifically uh, with Vibrant Lifestyle Coaching for the last four and a half years. Uh, but it's funny because I would say that I'd been doing it the prior 13 years as a hairstylist. Everybody comes to your chair, sits in your chair, um, unloads everything that's going on. And I've got to be, you know, detached enough because I'm here. I'm just here to cut your bangs, honey. <laughs> but also, you know, just creating the safe spaces. I mentioned earlier, that's what I'm big on. It's creating that safe space where people feel like they can um, get that non-judgmental um, feedback on what's going on. So um, with Vibrant, yeah, the last four and a half years, but as a, as a lifestyle whole for myself, I'd say the last 17 years, um, I've been out here creating these safe spaces and empowering people. So are there ways that, you know, you keep mentioning safe spaces, and mm -hmm. I'm sure that, that, um, that that's something we all need to make sure is a priority personally and, and yeah. in our own environments. Are there any um, simple or advice that you would give to all of our listeners just as a general rule, things that you should be doing daily as a practice? Yeah, yeah. Uh, to be their own safe space? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I would... Um, I'm very big on mindfulness. Really be aware. What are we saying to ourselves? You know, what are those? How are we talking to ourselves? I think that's very, um, very, very big. If we can start to become aware of the way we're speaking to ourselves, maybe the way we are uh, tearing ourselves down. Like, because how many times maybe you're out doing something, you make a mistake and you're like, oh, I'm so stupid. How is that serving you? How is that making your day any better? Right. And so really becoming aware of that dialogue. So I think it's just uh, I call it zombie mode, but it's so easy to just be pulled in a million different directions, just going through our days, going through our routines. But we're not even tuning into um, how we're thinking and how we're feeling about ourselves. So that would be a big place to start. Um, so if we're going to start there and becoming aware of how we're talking to ourselves, the second step is not judging ourselves for that. Right. So not becoming aware of, oh, God, I just called myself stupid and now beating myself up for it. Counterproductive. Right. Right. So let's be aware. Let's be nonjudgmental. Um, I think a third thing we can really do is uh, whether you work with somebody like a therapist or a life coach, uh, but knowing where who your people are that you can turn to and get honest feedback and get honest support. Uh, I think a big way that we hinder ourselves is by holding in our shame or our pain, 
right? Not allowing ourselves to be, to be vulnerable with the people in our lives. And so when we're not vulnerable with the people in our lives, we hold on to our pain, our stress, our trauma way longer than it needs to. Right. So in that case, when we're holding on longer than we need to, we are the ones creating our stress. We are the ones creating our pain. It's no longer that singular incident. It's now us. We're doing it. And one thing people don't necessarily realize is um, that incident happened once. Right. We'll say something happened May 20th, 2019, and I'm still holding on to it. Right. Every time you start thinking about that thing and getting turned, turned up, you know, getting emotional or feeling all the feels, your body starts going through all of that. Your stress response uh, is triggered and you start getting caught up in those feels. So you're reliving that incident over and over and over again, although it's not actually happening in your physical world. Right. So if we can open up, release ourselves from that shame, tell that story, be vulnerable, we can start to move on. Because if there's one thing that shame hates, it's us opening up. Shame loves when we keep our pain inside into ourselves because then it's got its grasp on us. It's got its hold on us. Right. So that's one thing. That, those are the three things I would really um, hammer home to your listeners. It's just work on that self-awareness. How are you talking to yourself? Don't judge yourself for it and find those safe spaces where you can be vulnerable so you can start to move on, so you can start to release, right? We don't need to be the creators of our own stress. There's enough around us without us also creating it. Can you tell this gets me all jazzed up? (laughs) You mentioning shame. I I actually have a a little note I took from a Brene Brown book. Yes. Yes. And it talks about shame versus guilt and how mm-hmm. shame is only combated when you have healthy relationships and you can talk through your, so yeah. I, I believe in that and I try to practice that daily. So yeah. who are some other um, authors that you go to for your own coaching? Oh, wow. So um, you mentioned one of my all-time favorites. I stand Brene Brown. I think she's phenomenal. Love Brene Brown. Um, when I started my own healing journey, I guess you could say, um, God, uh, 17 years ago, my early 20s, um, one of my favorite books that really just blew my mind open to things. Uh, very simple book, small book, The Four Agreements by Don uh, Miguel Ruiz. Oh, so good. <laughs> so simple, so simple, but um, just not to word vomit too much on it, but we all have these agreements um, and agreements, I like to say stories sometimes, but agreements with our world, right? How we need to show up, how we need to behave. And these agreements may not even be ours. They may be cultural. They may be familial, right? Um, and so it's this idea that we can let go of these, let go of these agreements and create new ones. Um, and so I'm not going to spill the tea on the four agreements. You got to get the book for yourself. But um, that was one of my favorites, uh, the four agreements. Um, the Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle was a big one for me as well. Um, I've been thinking recently, I, I need to read that again or, or revisit that because it's been about maybe 15 years since I read it. But those are, um, those are a few there. And one of my favorite Brene Brown books, and I, I talk about this one all the time on my social media, but um, The Gifts of Imperfection. And that's, a, that's probably the one you were talking about, Rachel. But um, she goes into a lot about shame and vulnerability. Um, and, and yeah, our imperfections can be gifts. And that's where we judge ourselves, right? Like, oh, you know, that's not... I have a friend who's always like, oh, I'm not cool. It makes me crazy. What is cool? What is cool? <laughs> what is cool? So anytime she says it, I'm like, 
I'm going to beat you up. I'm going to beat you down. Okay. Like it's going to go down now. Um, (laughs) But just honoring, honoring ourselves. I think that's a huge piece, honoring ourselves. Oh, I love it. We, we talk a lot about on this show, uh, the theme or the idea of imposter syndrome. And we ask our guests about that. And I think you're you're speaking to the opposite, right? Really rooting out those assumptions we're making about our, our own selves and who we are. And, you know, finding that source of strength and, and, you know, building up those assets within us. Yeah. I have a few clients who are um, entrepreneurs. And so as entrepreneurs, that imposter syndrome comes up a lot. And one thing I like to tell them um, is that imposter syndrome comes up because you care. You actually care about what you're doing. So you care so much that it makes you worry. Am I doing enough? Am I showing up enough? Am I enough? Right. And so it's, it's seeing that story that's challenging your enoughness and saying, well, of course I'm enough. I'm enough because I care enough to do this work. I care enough to show up. And, and that reframing stories is a, is a big thing. And I think especially with imposter syndrome is taking those things, uh, those negative stories popping up and, and finding a way to flip them. Because if there's a negative, there's always going to be a positive too. Mm-hmm. So what are we choosing? What is our choice here? Because I, I think we we forget our power in choosing. Wow! Powerful wow. stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can we can go all day long, um, but I, I just want to ask you one last question. So, being a Bostonian, are you a Red Sox fan, or have you converted to Dodger Nation? Do you need Do you need to ask that question? Am I a Red Sox fan? I should have worn my hat. Okay, so you can see no questions. Boston forever. Okay. No, I spent a summer in Boston. What What uh, What's your favorite uh, part of Boston? Oh, um, I mean, I would say my neighborhood, you know, I grew up, I grew up in High Park and Roslindale. So it's like Southern uh, neighborhood of Boston. Yeah. Um, But as far as like, it's Boston has changed so much. So I spend um, when it gets too hot in Bakersfield, I'm out of here. Bye. (laughs) Bye. That's that's when I'm back on the East Coast. Um, And it's just been so wild to see how much Boston has been changing as far as um, neighborhoods changing, you know, neighborhoods that used to be full of triple decker housing that have been there since, you know, the 1800s that are now torn down in these ultra modern builds. And I'm like, oh, no, this is not what we do. This is not our culture. Um, So that's very interesting. But the waterfront area has really changed a lot. That was an area you wouldn't have gone to growing up now <laughs> now it's like bars and restaurants and um you know kind of classy bougie and it's like wait what when did what <laughs> that's, not, right. that's not the boston i know <laughs> well thank you again for being part of our podcast miriam yeah thanks uh, for before you, yeah before you go we want to do a little thing we call 73 questions inspired by vogue's 73 questions and this is a lightning round of questioning. We're going to put five minutes on the clock and we're just going to ask you questions. We want your most honest, earnest answers as quickly as possible. I'm over here bracing myself. Okay. Okay. So we're going to uh, start today with uh, Jesus and then Carla, Justin, myself, and then Rachel. And we're going to start now. What is one challenge you've had to overcome in the city of Bakersfield? Ooh, meeting people. When you feel overwhelmed, what do you do to calm yourself? Ooh, I might text a friend. 
Would you rather live in Los Angeles or New York? Oh, uh, I'll say LA. I'm sorry for LA. that question, guys. <laughs> I'll what? say LA. What's your favorite word in any language? Oh, a mambuta. What is the best vacation you've ever taken? Turks and Caicos. What is one piece of advice um, you would give to anyone? Honor yourself. You know exactly what you need. What's the best part of your day? Mm, waking up. What's the next fashion trend you'd like to see? Oh, my goodness. Okay. Oh, <laughs> you got me. You got me flustered there. Um, you know what? I'm really here for like bell bottoms, flare leg jeans coming back. I bought a pair a few months ago and I just was like living my best 90s life. <laughs> um, what's your favorite Bakersfield neighborhood? Oh, well, I live in Southwest, so I got a rep. Okay. What are you most enchanted by? Oh, it's Rachel. Oh, sorry. <laughs> your turn. <laughs> I hate Zoom. Um, what, what is your biggest extravagance? Oh. Oh. You know what? I'm a big foodie, so I would just say really, really, like, well-prepared food. That's just... Mm. <laughs> um, did you already say what you're most enchanted by? No, because no. it was Rachel's turn. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, what was your question, Jesus? Uh, what are you most enchanted by? Oh, I don't, I don't even know. Enchanted, because enchantment makes me think like fairies and butterflies. And so I would say I'm a big sci-fi fantasy lover. So there you go. There's my enchantment. <laughs> okay, Miriam, would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or talk to animals? I love this question. I want to talk to animals. I want to know what they're thinking when their humans leave. Uh, what TV host would you want to interview you? Oh, Oprah. My, my second favorite Aquarian, Oprah. Who's your first? Me. Uh, <laughs> what an Aquarian answer. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. If you can travel back in time 20 years and tell a younger self, uh, something, you only had five seconds to do so, what would it be? Watch out for 2020. What do you consider <laughs> your greatest achievement? Oh, um, burning down my old life to build a new one. Yeah. What's one experience you think every person should have? I think everybody should travel. Leave their home town, home country, like every, just travel, see the world. Uh, what's the best part of your day? Oh, I'm sorry. I asked you that one. Uh, what app do you, uh, <laughs> what app is most used on your phone? Oh, um, I would probably have to say Instagram and I'm ashamed. <laughs> it's okay. We understand. We're all the same. <laughs> if you could spend one week at any hotel, which would you choose? Oh, oh, wow. That's a good one. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to be going to Santa Barbara soon and I'm not, I'm, of course I'm blanking on the hotel there that I was like, Oh, I'd love to go stay there. But I'm it's the Rosewood Miramar. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Describe the perfect party. Oh, the perfect party has amazing food, great music, chill lighting, 
lots of people, but not too many where I can't breathe because I need a good corner to watch people. I need a bartender, okay, a really good bartender, and someone who's constantly realizing my drink is almost empty and bringing me a new one. Perfect party. And you had that answer ready. Yeah. <laughs> Can I be your plus I like one? Party. I know my favorite yeah, I'm coming. I appreciate your um, acknowledgement of lighting. That's very... Yes. It has to be the perfect lighting. Okay. <laughs> Which historical figure do you most uh, identify with? Myself. History. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, gosh. Uh, do you have a favorite musical artist? Oh, I love music. My musical taste is all over the place. Um, I love Florence and the Machine. I love John Mayer. I love DMX. I love um, James Bay has been a big one right now. I mean, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all over when it comes to music. And that is time. Great job, Miriam, with 21 <laughs> questions answered. Woo! Thank you. Wow. Feeling good about that. <laughs> you should. You did a great job. Thank you. Thank you so much, Miriam Pop, for being a guest on our podcast. Hello, Bakersfield. We appreciate you being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. You got me up early, but I'm here. <laughs> and Miriam, where can people find out more information about you and um, your business? If they're yeah. interested in learning more. I'm on all the socials. You can find my website at Vibrant lc.com um, you can also find me on facebook uh, my facebook business page is vibrant lc just put at vibrant lc and you'll find it right there and on instagram my handle is it's its miriam pop thank you miriam thank you again for joining us today yeah, that great. is our show a big thanks to brian boozer on studio for again Producing today's show, big thanks to the garbage man passing by my office right now while we're recording. And a big thanks to all of you, the listeners, for listening yet again to another episode of Hello Bakersfield. We'll be back again next week with yet another edition of the podcast. But until then, bye, Bakersfield. Bye. Adios. Bye, Bakersfield. See ya.